You're about to listen to youth produced content from Listen Up Youth Radio. Listen Up is a Twin City social enterprise working at the intersection of youth employment, leadership, and media production. You're listening to Youth Soup, the podcast that adds some youth to your soup. That was so good. Yay. Since we recorded this interview on May 12th, EPNI, East Phillips Neighborhood Institute, Little Earth, and the larger community has won the battle to buy the Roof Depot site. Even though the city has agreed to this purchase, they are still making the process as difficult as possible. The fight is not over. To stay up to date, follow at EPNI underscore Urban Farm on Twitter or visit www.epnifarm.org. Welcome back to Youth Soup, and for this episode, we're going to be talking about the East Phillips Roof Depot. So, hello, my name is Keen. Um, I'm another host for Listen Up. I'll be passing it down to Rena. Um, I'm Rena. I use he/they pronouns, and I am also a host for Listen Up. Um, I'm JC. I use they any pronouns, and I'm also a fellow host and manager of. Uh, listen up, it's the YMC program. Um, I'm Ella, I use she, her pronouns, and then I'm also a youth soup host. Uh, Buju, I'm Cassie Holmes, and I'm a Little Earth resident. So Buju, Mishko, Banishi, and Dishnikaz, Mangdudain. My name's Jolene Jones, and I'm a resident of Little Earth, too. I guess if it's all right with you, we can just get started. Um, so we were just curious, or like, to just get kind of a background, um, of what the situation is like right now and also just your guys' experience with Little Earth, like how you guys ended up there. Um, yeah, kind of a mix between question one and two. Can you summarize the history of the Roof Depot and the Urban Farm Goals? Can we talk about <coughs> Little Earth first yeah. and how we kind of ended up there? Okay, so <coughs> we moved to Little Earth when I was like 11 years old. My mom moved from which, which is Cedar Riverside, what was called Cedar Square West. We moved into Little Earth and... We've been there ever since. We're very active in the community. Um, it's a great place to live. It's home. And yep. So I grew up there. Um, I did move out um, as a kid, but not that far. And then ended up coming back. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, I actually moved out with my kids and my partner Vivi. Um, in uptown and then six days later I lost my oldest son to a heart condition he was not born with and so for me I went back to Little Earth because that's my community that's the only community I've ever really known and people know me they know my entire family so I felt like I just had to go back home after um, losing my oldest son Trinidad and when my son had passed away I wasn't really I did work in the community, but my best friend who had a daughter who grew up in Little Earth, her daughter passed away as well to a heart condition she wasn't born with. And it started to see like what was going on in our community. And um, and to be honest, my Aunt Jolene really got me involved in a Roof Depot because um, at the time she was the executive director in term of the Little Earth Residents Association. And the city was hosting a meeting at East Phillips Park and someone had reached out to my aunt and she never heard about this meeting. No one in Little Earth heard about this meeting. So my aunt goes over there. Do you want to tell the story? Sure. I go over there and if you're not aware, East Phillips is probably is the most diverse community in the state of Minnesota. 
Um, and I go in there and there's me and two other BIPOC people and I find out that they're there as interpreters. So I bring up the fact why I wasn't Little Earth notified about this meeting and Waterworks argued with me and they pulled up their computer to prove that they sent notices because I read all my notices. And then they apologized and said, oh, we missed you. I said, no, you didn't just miss me. You missed 212 houses. How did you miss a third of this community? How? So that kind of got everything started and I got Cass, asked Cassie to become involved and she did. and. You know, it's like, that's our sense of community. You know, that's one of the questions is about sense of community. How has it been through the farm? That's what it's all about. It's about our kids. It's about our youth. It's about the asthma rates. It's about the unexplained death of three to four of our teenagers with heart conditions that they weren't born with. That's what this fight is all about, and that's the sense of community is our future because if we don't have a healthy future, we're going to all die. So to me, our sense of community, that's what it's all about, the Roof Depot, is our sense of community and our sense of our future. So adding on to that, we also found out that all the notices that went out for this meeting was in English. There was nothing in um, Spanish or Somali, and those are, um, some of the, are some of the major people who live in East Phillips, too. So, so that was like kind of the city's way of like... Um, you know, not engaging the whole community. Yeah. Um, and so when I got part, when I became part of this, um, the Roof Depot site, it was so crazy. Um, Cause this is where I start learning. Like I grew up here, right? I didn't know arsenic was in my community. I don't think a lot of people knew. I didn't know that we had all, that we were some of the most toxic polluted community next to Northside. Like I had no clue. And so I was thinking, like, you know, when I lost my son, like, what happened? Was it hereditary? I just don't know, understand what happened. And then when we start losing other young kids or young adults, um, that's when our eyes were opened. We were like, what the hell is going on? Like, something's going on, and we're not aware. So <clears throat> we became educated. I became educated very fast. Um, and when I, when I got became part of the Roof Depot fight, what happened was the city had chosen chosen because Mont was like you're going to host another meeting but in Little Earth and you're going to send flyers out to the whole community and the languages and everybody's welcome to come so that's what they did so we had a another meeting with the city at Little Earth and a lot of community members came and then the city was like realized they couldn't just come into our community and say hey we bought this building the roof depot site and this is what we're going to do because we had community there that was like wait hold up we had plans for that when did you buy this so they created what they called the Hiawatha Advisory Committee. We called it HACC. So in their mind, the city, what they did was they took two people from each community within our community. You know what I mean? So they were like, we're going to hold this community, uh, this committee, and you guys are part of it. So we became part of that committee. And um, there was like um, a lot of us, like Brad, our Carol Pass, who's a longtime um, epic president of our community board, um, Abba Muhammad, who owns a business in East Phillips, um, Jose Luis, who has a business in East Phillips. So there was a whole bunch of us, right? And just to make this long story short, they didn't respect us. They didn't listen to us. They wanted us to choose what we liked best from their plan. They had not listened to us about what we had 
and Karen Clark, who was our state representative at the time, was disrespected by a city staff who was facilitating the meeting and so disrespected that he came at her aggressively. And most of us got up and left this meeting. We said we don't give up our seats, but we're not going to sit in a meeting where our state representative, an elder, and a resident East Phillips will not be respected and treated and not um, be welcomed. Because he was trying to tell her about, if you guys don't know, East Phillip has a unique law, a state law, only for us, and it's called the Karen the Clark Berglund law and it's environmental justice law. And it's the only kind of the only kind in the state. And he was trying to tell her about this law and she was correcting him because she wrote it. She authored it and he got really mad. So anyways, Epney was born. East Phillips neighborhood was born from us walking out of this meeting, going to Epic to Epic because we all a lot of us sit on Epic board and we're just like something else needs to happen. So Epney was born. Yeah, and you know, so so through the battle, and, the battle, and it's been a process since then. It really has been a process, and it's come to a head recently. You know, we 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 did everything we were supposed to do, and then we had to start protesting and involving our whole community with that. And and with that comes like the media themselves too. You know, they latch on to something and they stay with it. One of the examples I want to give that I think is working against us and not for us is when the media talks and we stress everything they keep referring it to the roof people as oh they want an urban farm but that's not what it's all about especially for the little earth community it's about the trucks they're going to bring in they're going to bring in hundreds of trucks into a and they're diesel trucks you know how much pollution that is it's unbelievable but they keep latching on to make it seem frivolous that, oh, they just want an urban farm. No, it's about a lot more than that. Oh, they're worried about the arsenic from the building. It's a lot more than that. It's about these trucks you're gonna bring through our neighborhood. You know, Little Earth has over 500 children in the summertime on our property with half of them being under the age of 10. You know, our urban, our little farm, our youth farm is right in the back, right by the roof depot site and We've had kids that work our farm because we have a working farm for our five five-year-olds on up to teach them how to how to be with Mother Earth and grow vegetables and grow our sacred medicines, and we've had a couple of our kids had asthma attacks so bad that they've had to be hospitalized, and it's like the media got a hold of the urban farm thing what the city pushed and created a picture of and didn't hear the rest of what we were saying, they didn't hear the trucks they didn't hear the the children, they didn't hear that, they latched on. So, so when we talk to people, they're like, well, it's just an urban farm. No, it's not, that's what the city wants you to think. That's part of it, is that urban farm. But that's not what it's all about. And what it comes down to, the bottom line, is our children's health, our children's health. And we, and, and we do need an urban farm. Little Earth is gonna start doing aquaponics. I hope I said that right, because that's a that's an awesome word. We're going to start doing aquaponics. You know, we're trying to teach our kids how to eat healthier, be healthier. Plus, we're in a food desert. So what better place than to do it? And then we're going to bring in these trucks and poison the food they're growing. more vehicles was in part of the city's plan. And you can look that up. They wrote it in themselves. 
So, you know, it's like I feel like the media has latched, latched on to the city's narrative and not our narrative, you know? Some of them. We've had oh. some, some good them. media. Some, yeah. We have. Media. Yeah. And I think part of that is, like, intentionally, like, big media will just, like, latch onto one narrative that they can, you know, twist every single way that, that will help them and, like, not actually help the people who are being affected. It's, like, the residents of East Phillips and Little Earth, they know the best about what they need. Um, it's definitely, like, intentional to push a narrative that they well, want to I push. Well, I think when... When we took over the site for our little bit of time, we had it. Um, I think that brought everything front and center, and I think we got our voices really heard. And some of the media represented us very well. Um, that was really awesome to be a part of that. And I just feel like it shouldn't have had to come to that point. It should have never had to come to that point. We did everything we were supposed to do. You pushed us to that point. When we're down at City Hall and the mayor won't come out and talk to us. When the city council goes, goes meet in closed doors. When you got city council reps that are saying, well, I would vote yes for my neighborhood. I would put it in my neighborhood when you know damn well they're lying. They would not put that in their neighborhood because they wouldn't get reelected. You know? So for me, some of that stuff comes... The media did a good job on that. I'm gonna say that, you know, and and our voices got heard. I'm better. sure you guys probably seen some media of us yeah. out there yelling around. Yeah. <laughs> or did you yeah. see when the elder got almost pushed and I snapped because like yeah. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Like almost pushed her back, and the snow was there, so there, she grabbed onto him because he was walking her backwards forcefully, and she almost fell. And she didn't have her hands on him at first, but she reached out because she didn't want to fall, yeah. and it was hard snow ice. So she would have she would have got damaged. That's the first time I felt all winter was over there. I was walking and recording, and I said, feet went up in the air and bam. That's the first time I felt all winter was over there. I fell too. <laughs> yeah, it was it was exciting to watch our community come together to see us come together. We people call us out, not realizing it will happen. You know. Because in all honesty, we're fighting so many battles that we have representatives in these battles. You know, Cassie was our representative for this battle. And when city council reps and that started telling her, well, where's your people? Where's your people? And then we show up and they don't want to talk to us when we show up. Yeah. And it's like you wanted to know where we were. Here we are. Come talk to us then, you know. And it, it gets a little frustrating because it's like, why do we got to show up like that? You know, why do we got to come out and show you that she's not just a token Indian that you were hoping she was? We, we, we're fighting so many battles, and the battles we fight are for our rights to breathe air, drink clean water, have housing. You know, these are everyday issues just to live, period. And it's not just in Little Earth. It's even in all of East Phillips because everyone participates in, like, everything that we do at Little Earth, so... I will share something really good, though, real quick. So when we first started with EPNI and Karen Clark got $319,000, right? I don't know if you guys heard this story. So we got, like, we split it up. We got 40000 And my auntie, again, was the executive director at the time at Lyra. And uh, I was like, ooh, I'm bringing $40,000 to the table. What are we going to do with this money, you know? And my aunt, so then our kids were skipping school. And there's lots of reasons. They didn't have nice clothes. Some of it was asthma. They couldn't go to school. They were sick. 
Um, but my auntie was asking them, you know, like, what is going on? And they were honest. And we had a young man tell my aunt, well, you need to listen to them because I was that kid. And then I start selling weed to get my nice stuff. And now I'm in the system. Like he got caught up, right? So my auntie's like, well, we're going to give them jobs. We're going to give our kids jobs to earn money and they're going to buy their own school clothes. So it was really a brilliant plan. And at first I'm like, oh, okay, this is going to be interesting. Um, but she, kids came right in. I was volunteering at the time. I didn't work at the time at um, the front desk and kids were coming in and they're like, I need a job application. And then they filled it out and then they met with her right then and there and had a, um, an interview and then they'd come out so and and lira you know where the office is there's a kitchen and so they'd shut the door did an interview the kids came out and they're like smiling right from ear to ear and they're like i got a job i just got hired and so it was like five to what 17 five to 17 so these kids worked right all summer then it was time to go shopping and so the plan was well we're not going to let their parents take them because we the kids should get what they want they earn their money they should you know and so the parents all agreed they um, gave us their sizes, myself, a couple other, Chantel, whose daughter had passed away too, but Chantel, Sandra, uh, a couple of us were like, well, we'll volunteer and take the kids shopping. And I'm a thrift shopper, so um, we brought them out shopping. And these kids had bags and bags of clothes. Their first one was like $300, and it was cash. So we'd give them the cash, and so they would learn how to, you know, how to, like, how to budget this money, right, how to get, like, a big bang for their buck and then get their receipts and all that so it adds up and that was like how many kids about 13 kids that first year 20 20 and was it up to now like about almost 70 yeah. almost 70 kids now work at our at the little earth farm and they make 500 dollars. so they get 300 for clothes 100 for family a family out in and then 100 to buy whatever they want if they want to buy more clothes so here are these kids. Some of them have six kids in one home. So here are these kids buying their own clothes, taking their families out, having a nice time, and buying whatever they want. But it was so amazing because it was so successful. At the end of summer, time for school, here are these kids at the bus stop eating whatever's left in the farm, talking to each other about what they grew, showing off their clothes and their shoes ready for school. So that's like that's a small version of what the vision is for the Roof Depot. That was our stepping stone to let people know, like, this is so successful. And this it gave our kids an opportunity, and it showed them that they could work for this money and they could have what they want, you know. And then they were working with elders, learning about medicines and stories. And that's just so positive. Like, why would not, why would the city or the mayor or anybody like veto or not want something that's so positive for a community that needs it the most? Stay tuned to hear the second half of our conversation with Jolene and Cassandra. Learn more about Listen Up Youth Radio, including our peer-to-peer educational workshops in media production and social media marketing services at www.listenupyouth.org. Check out past broadcasts of YouthSoup on a live podcast app now available on iOS and coming soon to Android. This activity was made possible by the voters of Minnesota through a grant from the Metropolitan Regional Arts Council thanks to a legislative appropriation from the Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.